All right, well, good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, June 21st, 2021, and uh, we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist. I am Jonathan Hendrickson, I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm here with all my pastoral staff brothers Jeremiah Custer, Blake Flincham, our senior pastor Jeff McCarthy. Um, and we are excited to be here with you. We missed you guys last week. We weren't able to to do a, a main point. We had hoped to do a uh, um, one while we were on the road, but just uh, the timing didn't work out. Uh, three of us pastors were together at uh, Student Life Beach Camp, and so uh, while we were there, in a way, it was kind of difficult to try and find a time to to get to uh, to do this. So. Here we are on this Monday. We're um, two weeks away from the sermon that we heard, um, or a week away, I guess, right? About a week away from the sermon we heard uh, two Sundays ago. But we're going to look at that this morning. We'll go back and kind of rewind the tape, look back at that sermon that Jeff preached two Sundays ago. And then we might also, uh, sort of as a some bonus material, uh, share some uh, fun insights that we got while we were at camp. Um, some sort of nerdy preacher stuff that we that we kind of uh, got into uh, uh, that'll be kind of fun to talk about um, with you listening in so that's that's the that's the plan for today and uh, I'm glad you tuned in hope we can make this interesting for you all right so let's look at the let's start with the message Jeff you preached which is um, we are not orphans and um, I, just just to kind of set it up and I know you set it up in, in your intro in when you preach the message but um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that part of that came from sort of a, a personal reflection on where where you know where you are right now especially with your mother j- just passing away right um, go ahead, you can go yeah ahead. that was the kind of the spark you know when uh, my mom died and you know, it was something you always think about. You know, my dad died six years ago, and then my mom died. I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a parent anymore. And so I was just got, like, uh, after we got back, uh, you know, that night, we're just kind of talking, and I'm like, you know, I'm an orphan now. And so Eileen's like, no, you're not. I'm like, well, yes, I am. I mean, my mom and dad are dead. She's like, but you're not a kid. I'm like, well, that's true. Um, so that kind of got me thinking, uh, you know, uh, about orphans, and I knew there was a passage in the Bible where Jesus talked about, "I will not leave you orphans." Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, I, was, I was like, "Well, I'll take a look at that passage and kind of read about it, and then do some research and all." And uh, so that's kind of where it came from. The and it kind of dovetailed what Jeremiah preached on with the adversary that he did a great job on with the. Um, you know, putting on our armor. Right. And then I talked about how we would have the advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, which right. is the reason why we're not orphans. It's because, yeah, even though I don't have an earthly parent now, I do have a heavenly father and I do have somebody to talk to. I do have someone to get comfort from. Yeah. Different, but still similar in a way. Uh, right. And so that's kind of where the whole discussion came from and kind of where it was running. Right. I mean, clearly when Jesus is saying these words to his disciples, and the context of that, I believe, is John 14. Mm-hmm. So the context is, uh, is this, I'm, 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 I've, I'm, I've got beach brain right now, and so I'm trying to think, but is this? This is the weed. No, this is, let not your heart be troubled. Well, yeah, no, I know that. But that, 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 whole, that whole conversation happens just prior to, the passion, am I right? This is yeah. This uh, is those three or four chapters of long discourses of Jesus, this farewell teaching. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's most important for his guys to get, and then after that, leads it to the garden. And, right. Okay. So I am right about that. I just want to get the context right here. So it is. It is right around this. This is this is part of that final teaching that he has with his disciples. I think it only shows up in John, um, uh, or at least I, I'm looking back at the verses you used. And I think it's just in John, but but he says I, he does say he says I won't leave you orphans or um, let me mute that I'm sorry fellas um, there you go um, he says I will not leave you orphans I will come to you or um, I, will, I will you've actually used a couple of, that's the NKJV version yeah um, the old I, King James which is you know most of us grew up on that would say I will not leave you comfortless yeah right which has a different connotation. But then the New King James and the NLT brought the 
brought it up to, to speed what he's really talking about. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You're not going to be abandoned. Yeah, so um, be left the, um, the word that's used there for, for orphan, it, it does, it, and it's the KJV translated as comfortless. Is that... Is it actually the same word that we see later on used as orphans in other in other passages, or is it a different word? Or do we know? Uh, I figured you did a word study. You normally do. I just didn't know. If, maybe you did not. I, I, I seem to remember you saying something about the word that's used as com, translate comfortless in one place and orphans in another. But I I didn't know if it was the same one or not. And if you don't know, that's fine. It's not. Yeah, I can't deal. remember. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, the, it's the definition is bereaved or parentless, comfortless. Mm. Uh, but there was also in the lexicon where it was someone that was bereft of their parents. Okay. Or those bereft of a teacher, God, a guardian. Oh, which okay. Which kind of brought it into, so Jesus is telling his guys, I'm leaving you. Right. And they're all sad and somber about it. And then he's like, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to come back. And so he's setting them up to, how are you going to be able to do this? So this almost has a double meaning in some ways. Because yes. he's actually talking about, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. Because there's a there's a whole big thing in, in 14 where, he's, where uh, he's talking about, just show us the father, right? Yeah, and I brought yeah. that up too. Like, right now, he's, he's like, if you've seen the father, you've seen me. But now you're leaving, right? You know, so, so you are leaving, leaving us as orphans. So, but, yeah. but at the same time, Jesus might also be saying, "No, I'm not going to leave you teacherless either." Because, and this gets into your first point, really, is that the reason why we're not orphans is because He sends His Spirit to help us, Jeremiah. Every time um, I, we get into a, a discussion on, on the Holy Spirit, I just think that there's a lot of um, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different uh, sort of baggage of people attached to the Holy Spirit. I, it's funny. Oh, we talk about the, the it's the the sort of redheaded stepchild. No offense, Jeremiah. The redheaded stepchild of the Trinity in some ways because we're like, oh yeah, there's the Father. And then there's the Son, and then there's, oh yeah, there's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, right? Um, but clearly the Spirit has just as much Godhood, right? As, as um, He has just as much Godhood as God the Father, God the Son. Um, so, like, why do you think it is that we, we do that? I mean, what, what, what is it that causes people to not give the Spirit His proper due? I mean, we even use, this, we even use uh, non-personal pronouns referring to the Spirit, like, you know, like as if, although it's just a noun, the, it's a thing, right? Um, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, right? The Spirit, it. You know, the it. You know, we pray that it that it will come upon us instead of He will come upon yeah. us, right? And so, I mean, what what are you, what are your thoughts on that, Jay? Yeah, especially in Baptist circles, um, I think mostly it's because we want to try to avoid like the excesses of the Spirit, like the extremes that uh, maybe some other denominations tend to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to distance ourselves from that type of uh, thinking. Um, but yeah, it's clear from the scriptures that Jesus is, or sorry, the Spirit is God, and that uh, He's triune with God. He's present, uh, for instance, at the baptism of Jesus in, in right. Matthew, I think, 3. Um, uh he, he descends on Jesus like a dove, and the uh, and the text is clear that Jesus is born in the Spirit, mm-hmm. um, and then that the it's the Spirit, not Jesus, uh, that actually comes and lives and dwells within us. And I think John fourteen is one of the best texts on like kind of what the role of the Spirit is. Yeah, we're gonna get into that yeah. too, as far as uh, as far as let's look at some of because you outlined some of those some of those key roles that the Spirit plays. <clears throat> excuse me with with us. Uh, starting with John fourteen sixteen, uh, Blake he says, and I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. Another translation of that, He will give you another Advocate. <clears throat> um, or uh, uh, I'll ask the Father, He'll give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever. So here we see that the Holy Spirit plays the role of Advocate. What do we mean when we say the Holy Spirit's an Advocate, Blake? Yeah. So. Uh... When we say the Holy Spirit's an advocate, we're going to say that, uh, basically, let me kind of illustrate like this. So, like, we see that Satan is the accuser, and he's going to accuse us of wrongdoing, and basically God's the judge. Mm -hmm. All right, well, Christ is 
Christ in heaven and used the Holy Spirit to advocate for us and saying, yeah, well, through that process, Christ died for us and we've been justified. He no longer sees our sin, but he sees Christ through us, so he advocates for us. Kind of think, in, kind of like in a court setting, he advocates for us. Right. That illustration, and I've heard that used a lot, Yeah, it confuses me a little bit, I'll yeah. be honest with you, because... When we talk, and this gets into dangerous territory, guys, but when we talk about the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. We use that illustration a lot to talk about how the Spirit advocates for us against the judge, the Father. But it, but in doing so, it almost seems as though we're setting up a, sort of a polytheistic idea that there's like three gods that were, that were you know, and if he's this God over here, we have this God over here who's our lawyer God. And over here, we've got this God over, you know, this God over here who's judge God. Um, but doesn't it, don't they all have the same will? I mean, they they all have the same will, right? So how can one be? Uh, uh, how can one advocate for to the other? Does that make sense? I'm asking. I'm asking for clarity here. I'm not trying well, to attack anybody. I'm just the, the judge is not necessarily judging us. I don't think. I think the judge is judging the accusations against us. <clears throat> so. Um, so then the advocate steps in on our behalf to um, plead our case. He's our defense counsel as well as our representative. Um, so, that, so that it's not necessarily, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's not necessarily God judging us, I don't think. And, and he's going against the Holy Spirit and Jesus <laughs> to find out, you know, what's going on with this guy. Mm-hmm. He's showing the accuser, no, this is what I'm mine. So when he looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees the blood of Christ, the penalty that was paid, and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. So, I, you know, it is complicated. Um, that's why I, I think I kind of flippantly said something like, does everybody understand that? When I'm talking about he's the same as Jesus and he's, he's God. And I'm like, everybody gets that right. And everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, no, nah, we don't really. Get it. We take it by faith. I mean, we, it's a mystery, but we take it, it by is. faith that, it is. that is true. Yes. And so um, the advocate, I guess, would be kind of like he's, he's there for us when we can't do this ourselves. Mm-hmm. In other words, I can't defend myself. Again, even against Satan or to plead my case to God I have to have someone to do that for me mm. and that's the advocate mm-hmm. and then Jesus of course stands in our place so you have God the Father Son and the Holy Spirit all all basically for all us advocating against for us. the yeah. adversary coming against us so that maybe that's a better way of thinking yeah. of it there I now like if I that. don't have the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus as my advocate then I don't have any hope, right? Against that, and, and I guess, and I like, I like the way you just explained it there at the end, because if you think of it, that all three persons of the Trinity are advocating for you. Yes. That's so different when we think of courtrooms. Like the modern courtroom doesn't look like that. Like the modern courtroom, you don't have a judge who is working with the lawyer, and, and you know, working with the defense attorney to advocate for you. You know, it's. You've got a you've got an impartial judge. You you have uh, two di- different attorneys facing off against one another. You know what I'm saying. And so so a lot of times I, I, that that judge jury courtroom sort of judicial analogy we use, I, I think it can be complicated and, and complex for for and, yeah. And, so and it complicated. It, 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 I know it complicates the issue for me. It makes it, it makes me it makes it harder for me to understand. But I like I like what you said there about how they, all three are at, really all three are still advocating for me. But it's not like they have two different wills, right? And, um, um, and no, all three and, is one essence. All three is one essence, yeah. right? So no, I, I agree. And that's how all three can advocate is right. because it's one essence. Yeah, and that's where because each is of one essence. Each we would say is God, right? And that's where we would differ from our Mormon friends. Right. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They would say that, like, ontologically, they are three separate beings. That's correct. They are three mm-hmm. different essences. Yeah. The Father is a different essence of the Son, and the Son is of a different essence than the Spirit. Right. They won't say they're polytheistic, but logically they are polytheistic well, because you've got three different essences. Right, and they're even polytheistic to the point. I mean, we won't get into more. Right. They're but, polytheistic because they believe they're they're all going to be gods one day too. Right. And they're working towards that. Jeremiah, you've not said much here. You want to you want to throw your hat in the ring here onto the Trinity? No, I just 
just going back to your question about like uh, why we like kind of cast the spirit to the side of the other two that he's not really on the same level. But Jesus, and I think Jeff quoted it, Jesus himself would say in John 16 that he's going away and that it's to our advantage that he's going away. Well, mm-hmm. why? He says, because if I don't go away, then, then God won't send the helper or he won't send the spirit. And so he's saying it's to your advantage that I go away so that this, the spirit who can dwell within all of, all of his people. Um, and if, if you think back to the Old Testament, right? Um, the Spirit plays a huge role in the Old Testament, but he kind of, I guess because we, we're, we're so scared about being um, her- heretical right. about the Spirit, we don't, we don't talk about it much, and, and that's a good thing. Like You don't want to be heretical when it comes to your theology or your, your uh, Spirit um, understanding. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you you do need a decent understanding that he is part of the Trinity and that he is of same essence with God. Mm-hmm. And on the when Jesus is saying it's actually better that I go, I actually heard a J.D. Greer make a quote one time that kind of took me aback a little bit. He actually said that Jesus inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Yeah. No, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm, at first, I'm like, what? I'd love to have Jesus right here beside me. But then I got to think, oh, God literally gives his spirit right. in, and that's, it is. Because better. because Jesus, qua human, or Jesus as a human, right. is limited by, by, the, <laughs> by the dictates of time and space, right? So he can only take up, uh, like you, there's, there's, there's one Blake, right. and it takes up a Blake space in time and space, right? Yep. Well, but the Holy Spirit pervades all that and is able to, uh, be in multiple places at you know, he's able to be in multiple multiple places at once. Well, and so. and that goes into that second point to tell JD. I would say, well, I'd like the Holy Spirit to be with me and in me, right? Which is yeah, basically sure. what the teaching is: yeah. that He's with us, but He's in us, mm-hmm. right? And so um, correct, and like like, but only 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 Jesus sending His Spirit could that happen. Because right. he, was, he was relegated to time and space. Well, like my, yeah, my, 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 part of this is my bad because I, I kind of chased a rabbit there a little bit on, on the Trinity. But I think if you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you almost have to deal with that um, a little bit to some degree. Yeah. But let's go back to the roles of the Spirit for yeah. a second because we talked about him being an advocate. Um, and then in John 14, 17, we read that um, this, he, he's, he's called the Spirit of Truth. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of Truth and, and the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's that with and in, and we'll get to that, Jeff. You're you're right. You spend a lot of time on that verse too. But I I just kind of want to look at it for a second. Um, and I guess the NLT says he's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, and the world can't receive receive him because it isn't. And then the NLT takes a little bit different tact here. Instead of just saying you can't, the world can't see him, so, so they're not looking him. for him mm-hmm. and they don't recognize him. And I, I think there's probably some 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 um, some truth to that sort of interpretation. Um, certainly, we if you look at it, logically, we would say, well, no, we can't see the Spirit, right? But, you know, he, the the Holy Spirit is is invisible. Um, but I think I think there's more to it than that. I think it, this this is it reminds me of when, in, in like Isaiah for instance, when he says they they you know they see and they see but you know, they look with their eyes and they don't really see yeah. right. They 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 hear with their ears but they're not really listening um, because their hearts are hard inside them. They've got stiff necks and stuff right. So um, in the same way, I think here he's saying the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who leads into all truth. And I think it was Jeremiah who made a point, I think, it's been three weeks now, Um, but um, I think it was you who made the point that truth is is a person. Mm -hmm. Truth is not a set of principles. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit leading us into truth, what we're really saying is the Holy Spirit is leading us to Jesus, right? Um, to to the person of truth, and he, he leads us into the truth. But the problem is, like so again, Holy Spirit leads us to the gospel, 
But the world doesn't receive the gospel because it's not looking for the gospel. It doesn't recognize the gospel. Um, the gospel it deals in things of, of that, are, that are spiritual, and the world is so focused on the things that are physical. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Temporal, physical. Right, right. And, and, and again, you're right. Some of this sort of dovetails well with, with Jeremiah's message. I think he was talking about some very similar things. Sometimes we get so caught up in the temporal things the things that are that are here, that are that you know again take up time and space, right? The, because those are the things that we can see and interact with, and we don't really see the Holy Spirit. We don't see the gospel. We see evidence of the Holy Spirit. We see evidence of the gospel. Um, do you think then that what what would you make of of, of those people who would say that that? Um, they would take a verse like this and say, "Well, the world doesn't see it because they're not recognize, they're not looking for it. But that that the reason why they don't see it is because God is God's literally hiding it from individuals. Like he's he he's hidden himself, and you know he 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 wants to be found, but he's only he wants to be found by those who who he wants to find him. For instance, or or maybe he wants to be found, but only." Um, you know, only if you do the hard work of seeking for him can you really find him. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there are people who believe that God's hidden um, and that he's hidden the truth. Um, what, what would you guys make of that? I would probably say that he, he doesn't want to be hidden, but sometimes, if we're quite honest with ourselves, the church hides him the best sometimes by not talking about no, by, not, okay. by, going, by not going out and sharing the gospel and kind of keeping it to ourselves because mm-hmm. um, he's he's chosen to use the church to make his name not to share the gospel and I mean if we're not talking to other people about it technically we're we're hiding God from other people mm-hmm. so what do you think not to uh, save God from God but I think the, the scriptures would say that it's the God of this age that has blinded the hearts of men. Mm-hmm. And that it's not that God is hidden, but that they have been blinded. And that's not just, I don't want to throw this on Satan, right, um, and give Satan too much power, but to say that because of our sin, we're blind, or to say that because of Satan and the ad- adversary, we're blind. Um, so just because you're blind doesn't mean that God is hiding. Okay. Um, it's, I guess is my point. But to have your eyes opened, right? Mm-hmm. To to be enlightened. Why can't Why can't the Holy Spirit just enlighten everybody, and just boom, everybody's everybody's able to see now, right? Everybody can Everybody can see. Everybody can see God. Everybody can see the truth. Um, I mean, why not Why not do that? Why like Why 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 not Why not go that route? Somebody might ask. Yeah. So what you're talking about is universalism. So why can't God just save everyone? Um, and just because you can see God, and um, I, I think even, I think really the world, even if they could see God, they, they still wouldn't relinquish, relinquish control to mm-hmm. God. Because the problem is, is, is even though we might can see God, feel God, touch God, we know He's real, right? Your sin is what separates from you from God, and your sin would still need to be dealt with. Right. And I just don't know if they want... God's method of doing with their sin for themselves. Yeah, and perhaps Jeff, I mean, Blake makes a point. Perhaps the that he has sent his light into the world. It's not like he's uh, dousing the light. That he has sent the light into the world. It's just the the vessel that he uses is his church, right? That yeah. Uh, well, right now because of the Great Commission, he he has commissioned us to be. The, the hands and feet of God. Of course, we still have the Holy Spirit leading us. Right. Um, I think the bigger point is that God's not hidden. It's just that God still gave each of us a will. And in our own will, we choose, because if I, if I wanted to look for God, mm-hmm. obviously the scripture says, seek me and you may find me. Right, so, right. So really it's, it's our will then, whether we're going to, be open to the Spirit, or open to God, or open to Jesus, or open to preaching, open to someone witnessing to us, or close to it. Right. Um, because Jesus was right there in the flesh, 
revealing himself to yeah. the world. And there were people God, who rejected him. That he got rejected by yeah. his own very people. You right. Want, you want to see so. touch feel God? And he's like, oh, yeah. that's what you want. And then he came, right? Like, right. So the so same thing is, like, yeah, it's the same thing. We from hide from God, basically. He doesn't hide from us. Yeah. It's the same thing in the garden. They hid from God, even if God still was pursuing a relationship. God still pursues relationships. We're the ones hiding. We're the ones keeping ourselves from from the truth. And, yeah. Instead of coming out into the light, you know. And so we, but we live in a culture and a world that is, you know, that is not looking for God. And well, yeah, not and recognizing that's really, God. And, that's really and my if point. you say, hey, God. God did this, or God allowed me to do. This. I mean, like like John Rom wins the tournament, right. and he goes, you know, this this is karma. You know, so he's just like he's giving credit to something, right? Other than you know whether or not God had anything to do with him winning that tournament or not. That's the way the world operates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean you're 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 right, and then part of the, I guess part of the reason why I ask that question is because we are living in a world. Especially in you know in, in in an America in some ways that is becoming more and more post-Christian, and and in that you know and but people still want to believe something right they're they're reaching yeah. out they, they, there's still mysteries to the universe and they're looking for truth they're looking for a way to explain things and I'm just saying well what is the is, is, it, is it is it because God has hidden Himself that people that people aren't finding truth right. And I think some people think that, but I, I think you're right. I think that's I think it's wrong thinking, right. and, and we address that. Part of another role of the Holy Spirit is not just to lead into truth, but you, you brought this up in John fourteen twenty six. Jesus says He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And so part of His job is 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 a, is as teacher. Um, and so the Holy Spirit does, in fact, I think, teach us and remind us of the things that Jesus taught um, e- even today. I mean, like, it's the Holy Spirit that I think enlightens us to to the truth in Scripture. Right. When we read Scripture and we understand and, you know, those insights, the light bulbs go on. I think that's the Holy Spirit at work, right? Um, and it's, I, it's the, that, that right there is in that verse you just read when right. it talks about remind you all that I have taught. Well, how does he do that for us? Right. He just reminds you of the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. And I, so like if you've ever been having a conversation with one, someone and like a scripture just pops into your head, mm-hmm. but don't think that that's luck, right? I think that that's the spirit at work both with the knowledge you already have. I don't think he puts extra... Knowledge in there, although he can, right? But he works within your own mind from from your own reading of scripture to remind you of things that have been said, right? And and I'm I'm with you there. I I, I tend, and I've, I've I've made this pretty clear in our in previous podcast. I tend towards um, a pretty um, narrow view of how God reveals stuff to me. Now I, I'm I'm not saying he can't speak to our hearts. I think sometimes he does. I sometimes we get we 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 get nudges, but. I don't. I, I trust my nudges less than I trust God's word. <laughs> like, like God's word for me is is a surety. Like it's. I know that if it's if it's in Scripture that God has said it, and I can I can believe that what He has said there. And so, if the Spirit puts a Scripture into my head or speaks speaks a um, a verse of of, of of the Bible to my heart, that I'm I'm more prone to listen to than I am to say. Um, you know, spirit just telling me, you know, you need to jump up right now and go to Zimbabwe, right? Not saying he can't do that. Not saying he doesn't do that. I'm just saying it's more... Um, well, I can, I'll give you like an example of what you're talking about. Yesterday, uh, y- y'all know me, I like to get a newspaper because I like to do all this stuff. Right. The rest my, of us get our news from the internet. Yeah, gets his news from the, <laughs> from the well, I just do it for the puzzles and the, and the jumbles and all that stuff. Right, right, right. Sharp, yeah, as much as it can be. Anyway, so I go. To, I'm not. They, for some reason or another, the guy that delivers the papers to the convenience stores either quit his job or is not working, so you can't find them anywhere near here. So I had to go all the way out toward. I told Eileen after I took our nap, I'm like, I'm going to find a paper. So I went all the way to. Uh, to uh, Garrett Road, which is where Mark Jacobson Toyota is. Oh my goodness! 
to that convenience store. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna get away from Northern Durham because this dude is not working. Right. And I get one. So I'm in line, and so there's two lines, and some guys over there having a hard time, and he's got a little girl, and he's got some food, and I don't know if his cards are not right or he's not. And I'm like, I'll pay for my paper and all, and I'm like, and and something goes, go help that guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, nah, I ain't gonna bother him. You know, it's embarrassing <laughs> all this stuff. So after I got my stuff, I'm like, I can't leave. I gotta go at least ask. So I went over and asked, says, do you need some help paying your bill or something? Because it looked like maybe he didn't, his credit card was not. He's like, no, I'm just trying to get some gas. I'm like, you sure? I'll help you. And he's like, no, no, thank you. And right. so I left. Right. So was that the Holy Spirit? You know? I, right. Yeah, and I believe it was. I believe it, it, now did it. I, I felt like, you know, I would go and put some gas in his car, whatever he needed, but he declined it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's kind of like the way the world's not looking at all. Like he was talking about the church is hiding the spirit. Um, we have truth, but we like to add to the truth, mm-hmm. and that convolutes our message and yeah, and what we're supposed to do. And, and so we're supposed to help help people and guide people and be Christ to people. Right. And then... The ultimate thing was after he guises the truth, the second part that he does is he brings glory to God. And so right. the Holy Spirit is always bringing glory to God in Jesus Christ. Right. And, and, that, so and that's, then another, for that's us another too, test, is we're right? not trying to bring glory to our church, our denomination. We Everything needs to then be couched to we need to give glory back to God. So I just told the story about the guy needing help not to bring glory to Jeff. Because I was never probably never even saying anything about it until right. just now when we talked. Right. Um, but you know, if, if you know I, that that's that's not to bring glory to me. That was bringing glory to God that I did something I should have done. Yeah, yeah, and and that's another that's another good test. As I was going to say, is another good test of whether is this the spirit or not. One is does it if what what he's asking you to do. Does it line up with Scripture? And two, does it bring glory to God ultimately? Yeah, do I want to go around now and have this bragging thing? Hey, I helped this Yeah, guy. that's probably like the, the spirit. You, know, you got your reward. You know? Right, that's the that's the spirit of fame or the spirit of power working yeah. in you. Um, well, one other role that, that you touched on here um, in your sermon was, it comes from John 15, 26. And he, he says that the advocate, the spirit of truth, will come to you from the Father mm-hmm. and will testify all about me, which kind of ties into what we just said, too, but the, the, that we know that the Holy Spirit is going to testify to Jesus. He's going to testify or stand in as witness for who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. So, um, And then, of course, Jeremiah mentioned it already, but um, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. You know, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Uh, and then he'll guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. He'll tell you about the future. Ooh, and let's stop, let's stop there for a second. Um, so is the Holy Spirit a, uh, a prophet? Um, can, we, can we get prophecy from, can we, can we take this, this verse here in John 16, 13, where he says, he will tell you about the future. And say that um, this is the same thing as like the Holy Spirit is a fortune teller, um, that we can get our we can get our, our futures told to us by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, um, quick note here: uh, Jesus is saying all of this before, like, say Paul or John has been uh, indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Yep. And so we have to assume. And not just assume, we know from the scriptures, because Peter says it later, right? Mm-hmm. That it's the spirit that dwells within them and that it's the spirit that inspires the future text of the whole New Testament, really. Right. And so all of that stuff is future things. And even like the book of Revelation is future future stuff. So I think that that, that text or the spirit has already fulfilled this from the scriptures that we see future from this point. So you think the Spirit's done telling the future? No, you didn't let me stop. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But no, I think the Spirit is done uh, telling the future in that way. I think the the canon is closed that that when I speak, it's not on the level of scripture, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to be, right? Because it's, I believe, in the sufficiency of scripture, meaning that Everything that's written in the scriptures is sufficient. We don't need any more. 
revelation of right. the future. Um, would I like to have like some nuance to what revelation means and like answers to some questions? Sure, and and I think you can ask those things, and I think the Spirit works in you in those questions. But um, as far as like the Spirit speaking on that level, still, I, I think that's that's his role is just complete in that sense. Mm. But now his role is, his main role is to remind you of those things. Remind you of the things that he has spoken mm-hmm. about the things that will be future. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. You're talking about end times and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Any, any On a personal th- level, like say, for example, your your daughter. Yeah. Hope feels like she's got a call in her life, perhaps in some mission or even right. thing. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to work towards that future. Right. Well, you don't know what that future is yet. No, I have no idea. Right. But the Holy Spirit does. Sure. So he, if so, so you're going to pray. She's going to pray. She's going to seek. She's going to prepare. Right. And then through that preparing and all, he's going to lead her into what her future is going to be. Right. But he's not going to. It's not like we can sit down. And I, I guess I just want to clarify for people. It's not like we can sit down as a family and go, Holy Spirit, reveal to us your plan for 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 Hope's future. Yeah. Like, show us exactly what's going to happen. He may put a, a a people group or something on our heart oh, so yeah. big that yeah, yeah yeah this is going to be the future. But he's not going to yeah. say uh, on, on okay on June the twenty third twenty 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 thirty two Hope will you know yeah. <laughs> it's not it doesn't work. Yes, he's not Holy Spirit's not Nostradamus in that way. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And I, and I think I think what it's talking about future here. I just know that there are people who believe. I, I think there are people who believe in prophecy in that way. Yes. That that the spirit. Well, some people think they can speak a prophecy on you right so now. So okay, so okay, fellas, let's let's clarify this term then, because the Bible does say that we can prophesy. Yes. So when when we see prophets in the Old Testament, they seem to be talking about future events, right? Things that are going to happen. God's revealing assur- sureties, and in fact, the, the test of a prophet is, did it happen, right. right? I mean, so when the when in the New Testament, when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will give you the gift of prophecy, um, there are Christian brothers and sisters of ours who believe that it still works the same way, that God gives you the ability to prophesy into someone's life. Is that is that something that we can take from Scripture? I mean... And if so, that would make sense here what he would tell you about the future. Or is it more along the lines of what Jeremiah was saying that this is just talking about just... But if that's the case, then what are we prophesying about? All right, so this is something I haven't studied in a long time. But I actually... Chasing some big rabbits. I actually, yeah, I know. I've, been, I've been gone for a week, fellas. So, <laughs> it's you know. only a two-point sermon. <laughs> Defining, <laughs> defining prophecy is important to begin with. I think I think prophecy is less about foretelling and more about foretelling. Yes. Even in the scriptures. Is there some foretelling in prophecy? There definitely is. Sure. Um, and I think like Paul was a prophet, right? He's able to tell things about the future. John tells things about the future. Peter, even in his sermon at Pentecost, tells things about the future. But what happens is in the scriptures, there's actually there's a verse in First Corinthians 13 when it's ta- it's talking about all of this. It's the love chapter. Mm-hmm. For First Corinthians 13, beginning in verse eight, it says this: Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. Mm-hmm. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Okay. So then the question is, well, what's the perfect? Right. Has I'm, the perfect already happened? Mm. Or is the perfect about to happen, right? And I think the best interpretation, and this is not the only interpretation, but the best interpretation is the closing of the canon of Scripture. Really? That the, 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 when the Scripture closes, there's no longer need for prophecy. In that sense, wow, that, that, I'll be honest with you, and, and I've, I've never heard that interpretation. Every time I've ever heard that that verse preached, when it talks about the perfect coming, I've always assumed it was the, Christ, the, in his well, Christ in His kingdom and talking about when everything is fulfilled. When, yeah, when we're when we get to the eschaton, right, right. right. That that's when you no longer need prophecy, knowledge, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but what you're saying is perhaps He's talking about 
the closing of the canon of Scripture. Yeah. Wow. Because you no longer, in my estimation, you no longer need prophecy. Okay, well, what about knowledge, though? How does that work? It's got to mean something other than what you're thinking, right? Okay. Can prophecy or mean that preaching? Because yes, yeah, I think I, well, that's, that's fourth the fourth telling. telling. Yeah. That's the fourth telling. Like, anyway. like thus says well, the Lord. I think, but again, that's pointing back to I, scripture. Yeah, and I think if there, I think there is a gift of prophecy, because I think you've been prophetic, son, and I have a prop gift of prophecy. Sometimes when I'm looking at a situation or a person, I can say something's going to happen. Now, I don't go out and tell everybody, but when it happens, I go, "Hmm, I knew that was going to happen." Okay. You've done that too. Yeah, I would say that's, so is that's that more prophecy? discernment. I would, yeah, I would call it discernment. Okay. When I, when I think of prophecy, I guess the way that I look at it is when I look at the Old Testament prophets, they're generally talking about something that they knew for assurance in terms of God and his plans for his people, right? We now, through the gospel and through the, the, the whole of Scripture, the whole canon of Scripture, have a means by which we're talking about things that have not yet happened in terms of God and the plans for his people. And I think that's what, when we talk about prophesying or foretelling, when when the New Testament talks about that's the way that I have always interpreted it. That we as pastors, we as Christians in some ways, every time we talk about things that are yet to have occurred in terms of God and the plans for his people, that we're talking, we are in, in fact prophesying. We're, we're prophets, especially because we're doing so in the power of the same Spirit that empowered those Old Testament prophets. I mean, and that's what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that empowered Isaiah or Jeremiah, for instance, to say the things that they were saying, is the same Spirit that's empowering us today. It's just that we have a more sure record in, in the fact that we have all of, of the, the entirety of Scripture. That's the way that I look at prophecy. Now I know some people look at it as more future-telling. Right, and it could. I mean, I'm not saying it. It's not that, but it, to me, and maybe again, this is just my Baptist showing through. Right, I'm trying to. I'm trying to avoid being too charismatic. <laughs> well, the problem with, I mean, the internet is littered with prophets. And yeah, a lot of them made a lot of false prophecies, <laughs> and a lot of them's backtracking about what these prophecies meant or were they true or not. And we have a whole so, lot of prophecy in my yeah, office. Yeah, so that technically, we don't technically, if I claim to be a prophet. And and I just say one thing that didn't happen correctly, then the Bible clearly says you're a false prophet. Right, right. So that's why if you do have like some kind of discernment or gift or something like that, it's best not to like throw it out there because if you're wrong, buddy, you are wrong. Yeah, and yeah. You are wrong and you're you're basically a false prophet. And to go off that, I actually discipled a few guys at Southeastern who have like a real Pentecostal background and one of the guys was telling mm-hmm. me in a church he was in church one time a Pentecostal church one time and um, this preacher sees this woman who goes to church they're coming in alone mm-hmm. this guy starts prophesying and praying over her, saying that because of this woman's faithfulness her husband will come to know the Lord this guy was a guest preacher and had no idea that he had just gotten off work late and was coming in. So he's prophesying over this woman saying, yeah, because of your faithfulness, your husband will come to know the Lord, this and that. And the guy comes in because he's just late. He's late getting off work. (laughs) And so that's why, to kind of say what Jeff said again, you want to be careful and you, you do kind of need to be a little bit reserved on some of that stuff because you don't want to what I'm going to say publicly shame yourself like right. that because you proved to be a false Well, prophet. and the right. thing is the Holy Spirit is going to give glory to God and Jesus. Right. So if I'm this prophet, am I doing it to get glory to me or am I getting it to get money or clicks on my internet website or whatever I'm doing? So that's, that's if it's in the Spirit... The whole purpose is going to bring out in glory to God. Well, yeah, and, and, and to clarify, right along with that, if we go on and we read beyond the verse that says, He will tell you about the future, we see He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. Yes. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So the Spirit is only going to tell you that which is from the Father, which is, you know, again, going to bring glory to God. And so... Um, I think I think all that's true. Now, to something you said earlier, I do think that there are people um, 
I think my wife is one that I have this gift of discernment. They just can see a situation or meet somebody. They just kind of have a feel for character. They have a, they can discern um, where there's problems. They're the ones that, like if you're, um, they're the ones who spot the hole in the boat before everybody else does, right? And, 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 and so I do think that that's a spiritual gift. I do think that that's something that, we, I, mean, I wouldn't call it necessarily future telling, but it's certainly it's it's a gift almost of wisdom, right? That, that that they just have an insight into. Yeah, those um, so the cessationist, which is the position I just presented a second ago, they would say that the the miraculous gifts have ceased, mm-hmm. but not the other spiritual gifts, and discernment, the gift of discernment, falls into the other spiritual gifts, just like teaching and sure. encouragement and. Um, so those those gifts haven't seized. It's only like healing mm-hmm. that God gives individuals with healing, or right. that God gives individuals with prophecy or or giving prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those are the ones that the cessation. How do you how do you distinguish from the cessation uh, position? How do you distinguish between that which is miraculous and that which is just spiritual? There, when you look at the lists. Um, there's certain texts that talk about the 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 gifts that aren't miraculous, mm-hmm. um, and then like there seems to be a distinction from the scriptures of of the difference in the two. There's different texts that talk about one and different texts that talk about the other. And remember, uh, Paul and them they had those miraculous gifts. They yeah, would, they wouldn't have they're going seized. around healing people. And, yeah. If if the canon thing right. is true, the canon of scripture thing is true, they wouldn't have seized until the last apostle dies, mm-hmm. uh, which would be John after Revelation. So all those claims that we find in, like, say, the early Roman Catholic Church or among the early patristics and those kinds of things that the, the, you're saying that that during the time of the patristics we wouldn't have had, uh, like, the early church fathers, you wouldn't have had miraculous gifts. Or if, if, if the no. cessation position is true, no, I think there there's still miracles, uh-huh. but that there there's not a gift to an individual. Okay, because okay. you see okay. the apostles walking around and they can heal whoever they want. Yeah, I mean, except for that one handkerchief, that one case, right? Yeah, just their handkerchief, right? But then you you do see some miracles happening based on prayer, but never do you see like at at, at a certain person's command. That they could heal whenever they want. Right. Um, and actually, I think like with Bethel and some other churches, I think healing is happening. Mm-hmm. But do I think that they can heal every single time? Um, no. I don't think that they have like the gift of healing. Like whoever they touch is now healed. Right. Um, like the Benny Hens of the world, yeah. the Todd White. Well, and the yeah. Jews required a sign to verify something was of God anyway. And so that was part of their whole Jewish culture. And so the gospel's starting. Peter, you know, tells the the guy, silver and gold have a nine. What I have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and take your bed and walk. And that that creates the opportunity for them to be um, persecuted, thrown in jail, told not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. And um, then they're sent back out, and what does he do? He continues to preach. Right. And people start getting saved now. Mm-hmm. So there was a role and a, uh, a reason for those signs at the very early beginning, which goes along with the point that yeah. you have about cessation. So so that's why that, that group that, that holds to that, that theory would say all these things ceased after after the canon was was finished. Yeah. And by the way, when we're talking about the canon, I guess we should be more specific. We're talking about the, the, um, all the books, the, the, the authoritative books of the Bible, like the, the start, you know, what we have when we... But that doesn't mean if I pray for my grandmother and she gets healed, you know, doesn't mean that I was the one that healed her. Right. But, but a miracle still occurred that, yeah. you know, the doctor's have the surgery and they come back like we don't know what to tell you the, the cancer right it's thing. not like it's so not, in it's, other words those things still happen <laughs> they just don't happen in this the way that they did in the in the early part of the the church because because it was a different culture at the end mm-hmm. yeah so it's not like 
you, you pray for your grandmother, she gets healed, and we're like, oh, we need to send everybody to Je- Jeff. Come pray for mine. Je- Jeff, come. Yeah, pray I mean, because I mean, during this <laughs> pandemic, I mean, all these faith healers. I mean, why do we even need a vaccine? For right, they could just go around. Just and, like we're open shop. Well, I actually didn't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Copeland or one of them like it was Copeland? It was Copeland, wasn't that rebuked rebuked it in the name of Jesus and tried to heal the heal the pandemic. Uh, over, you know, over... And then when they got the vaccine, he took credit that it was his prayer that did it. Uh, false teachers. <laughs> All right, so we're... Well, anyway, <laughs> but... So the second point that you brought we're up... We're getting kicked off of our only Monday main podcast. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we're just... Yeah, I know. We're, we're speaking objective truth. We're, and, well, and to some degree, everything... We are on, mentioning names, but... Yeah, know. but everything on this is our own opinion anyway. Yes. I mean, this is... You, you, right. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it because you enjoy listening to us debate our opinion. So, I mean, we're entitled to our opinion. We're not saying that any of this is objectively true, I guess. These are just our opinions. So we're protected there. Uh, anyway, so, <laughs> all right. The second point you brought up, though, oh, yeah. and we've kind of already touched on this quite a bit, is not only are we not orphans because he sends his spirit to us, but, but because his spirit lives with us and in us. And we don't need to miss this point. I mean, it's really important. We're not talking about a spirit that we pray to that's in heaven that, that is apart from us. But the Bible is very clear in, in, in saying that the, the same this Holy Spirit abides in us. Mm-hmm. The same, and, and you think back, to, like I think back to the Old Forever. Testament. Forever, right. And you know, I think back to the Old Testament, you mentioned, Jeremiah, the Spirit is really prevalent throughout the Old Testament. The Spirit of God is, is always, but it's, it's in general, what you find is you, the Spirit is in one location at, or at one time, and that everybody has to go to that location to interact with the Spirit of God, right? Yeah. Um, that uh, whether that was the tabernacle or later the temple, but God in 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 his you know in in these days has made the church the his the church universal, right? His tabernacle. We are His temple. We actually have His Spirit abiding in us, and that is. That's amazing, and and, and we, we don't really think about it enough. I don't think, um, and, and so you're right. We're not. We, we can't be orphans because the Father literally dwells in us, um, and like you said, the Spirit in us is, or the Jesus in us is, is stronger than the Jesus beside yeah. of us. Right. And I, I heard a quote by somebody one time, and I can't remember who it was, but it was talking about how uh, you know he always wondered, like as a kid, what what it would be like to get to heaven, and asked David what it was like to go up against Goliath, and. What was it like for Elijah to go up against all the prophets of Baal? And he says, I he actually thinks that they'll ask us one question: What was it like to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Which is actually a really good. <laughs> that, that is a good point. A really good point. Because it, it's not you know um, what you have, uh, you have King Saul, yeah, who has the Spirit of God in in him, and the Spirit of God departs from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's clear that God's spirit, do we want to say indwells King Saul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the same way that he, but not in the same way that he indwells his church now, right? Because I would like say. Comes, it's almost like he comes owned, like the spirit comes owned to King Saul. Right. And then comes like off in that story. Whereas he yeah. comes in us and never leaves. Yeah. Or sealed. And uh, David clearly thought that he could lose it. In Psalm 51, he's like, Take uh, not your Holy Spirit. Take yeah, not right. your spirit from me. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he recognized that it wasn't like a permanent, it wasn't a seal of or down payment. Which is what you were saying a minute ago. Now the spirit is, right? Now the spirit is a permanent fixture uh, on, the, on, on the lives of the believers um, that were sealed by that same spirit um, forever in the Father's hands um, when we when we choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's huge. Um, I, I like the illustration because um, I think some people think of the Spirit uh, indwelling us as though, and part, part of this is because I think of movies and things like that where you see demon possessions. And so, oh, yeah. so they think of us as empty vessels, right? We're like these empty water pitchers or water bottles, and 
Um, there's a little bit of Jonathan in there. And then the spirit comes in and, and he fills up the rest of me, right? Or, or he fills me up completely like I'm, a, like I'm a water bottle. And then the spirit comes along and he fills Jeremiah up completely like he's a water bottle. And you got all these water bottles of the spirit walking around who are believers. But there seems to be in, in that thinking... Um, there's an error because that's that 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 leads to sort of siloed kind of thinking. Like Jeff is a container of the Holy Spirit, and Blake is an individual container of the Holy Spirit, and Jeremiah is an individual container of the Holy Spirit, and Jonathan is an individual container of the Holy Spirit. Whereas really, I think it's more that the same Spirit that permeates me permeates you right. and connects us. We lose that's this, why he's with us and in us. Yeah, right. We lose this sense of connection with one another, not just with one another, but with the believers of the past, present, and believers in the future. Like I am because the, the same spirit that is in me, permeating me, connects me like a string through to all these other other believers, past, present, and future. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I just think that uh, the uh, I think Dr. McKinnon was the one who opened my eyes to that. And I because um, I, I had that same notion that the Holy Spirit is like I had it more of that water bottle idea, whereas it's I think it's more of a I don't know like a string like I said that passes through right because when each Jesus one it ties us together. Talked about uh, the woman at the well. I will give you living water that will overflow you. That if the water bottle Christian would be, hey, I'm full and I got my cap on, I'm good to go. Right. But the whole point of the Spirit is He's in us and with us in order for us to then you know, pour out our lives and pour out to other people so that they can come to know Christ too. So that kind of goes to that percolating, permeating, like you're talking about, where it's not just my bottle of water and I'm good. It's like, okay, I'm this is good, so good, it's gushing out of me. Other people need this too. Right, and I'm connected to you. I'm yes. literally like, um, if, I, if I realize that the same it's spirit... It's like an aquifer. Yeah, if I, if I realize that the same spirit, right, a channel of water, mm-hmm. right... Um, channels through me, flows through me, flows through Jeremiah, flows for, through Blake. Then, okay, now it's not just my, me, and me and the Holy Spirit, or me and the Holy Spirit got our power over here. You guys, you know, I don't know, you got your own thing over there. No, it's it's the Holy Spirit that empowers me, and is is that same current that's running through Jeremiah and Blake and Jeff and all the other believers. And so when we pray together, there's there's a real unity there, and and I think that's where the unity in the church comes from. We're we're permeated by the same. Holy Spirit, the one Spirit, right? Yeah, and unity is a role of the Holy Spirit to bring unity like in the church. So right. That, that is what unifies us. That's how I can call Jonathan, Jeff, Jeremiah, my brother. Right. Cry because of the Holy Spirit, based on Ephesians 4. Right, and that, so so that Spirit also, you know, in some ways, man, it's, it's kind of cool because um, you're right, the Spirit serves as our connection to the Father, so we're not orphans in that way. But orphans are also are often characterized as family-less too. They don't have a family. But the same spirit that, that gives us connection to the Father also makes us part of this larger family. And so it's impossible for me to be really alone or to, you know, it really is impossible for me to do discipleship or anything else in isolation. I think it's something Autumn said yesterday um, that, yeah, you know, we weren't designed to do this in isolation we were designed to do this in partnership with one another That's in God's right. spirit. So, yeah, it's cool. That's really cool. Um, so, um, we're about out of time here, actually. I, I looked at the clock, and we're two minutes away. So, habits. Wow. No, no, it was good. That was good. That was I, Look, I enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's the kind of conversation I like having with you guys. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed this as well. Because I think these are questions that people ask, man. I think that when they run across verses where it says that he, you know, he's going to speak the future, they're like, what does that mean? And so for us to kind of um, give our opinion on what that is and, and our interpretation. And I learned something today, man. I never heard that. I never heard that 1 Corinthians 13 passage I think I remember in, hearing it. interpreted in that way. I still want to know what you do with knowledge. But I, I, think you, I think you're right. You have to have a different interpretation of that word. I don't know what that would be, but uh, makes me want to dig a little bit deeper into that. All right, so next week we're going to be really familiar territory. John three sixteen. We're going to get into John three sixteen in particular. I think on the believe part. Yeah, we're basically going to talk about that word believe and what does that mean. What does it mean to believe? And believe um, in Him. Yeah, believe in Him. 
believe in him. And we'll be without our good friend Jeremiah. He'll be in Oklahoma uh, hanging out with his family. And so uh, prayers to you and safe travels for you. Uh, and then, But we'll see you guys back here next Monday for the next Monday Main Point. Thanks for tuning in this week. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you the next time. So long.